What's up, y'all? It's Chaz Wagner here. It's Monday, December 12th. I'm back here with my main man, Scott Watermuth, coming to us from the D-Town. What's up, my man? Not a whole lot. It's a uh, beautiful Monday morning in December, and, uh, you know, just chilling. How's your weekend? Excellent. I won my fantasy playoff matchup. I keep moving on. Go to the semis against uh, Terry Austin. He's actually my neighbor. We live uh, a few apartments away, so I'm going to go sabotage his apartment and somehow affect his fantasy team. I don't know how that'll happen, but I'm going to try and do it. Yeah, I uh, I swept my fantasy playoffs also. I was 3-0 and in uh, the first round, and I'm pretty excited about it. Nice. We should try and do some Big East fantasy, mix in fantasy and, and Big East basketball. Uh, I'm down. I'm absolutely down. We'll figure out a way. Well, Scott, we had a heck of a lot of games this weekend throughout the Big East. 12 games on Saturday, one game yesterday, but Saturday, as we all know, it was the Cincinnati Xavier game, the brawl at the end of the game that was the the story and what everyone's talking about throughout the Big East. But there were some other games. We had Syracuse, Pitt, uh, Louisville, all, all these teams taking care of business. The only teams that lost, Scott, were Cincinnati and Villanova lose, losing to Temple. Yeah, t- uh, tough loss for Nova. I mean, they. I keep reserving this hope that they're going to pull a couple wins out but they keep losing and it's it's tough to watch and like you said the Cincinnati game was just it was bad to watch before the fight happened because Xavier was just beating yeah. the hell out of him but you know after the fight it was it, it, it turned turned goofy turned bad yeah really a bad um just bad things for the Cincinnati program so let's get into the actual game what happened in the 39 minutes and 50 seconds prior to the fight. It was basically just domination from Xavier. They won 76-53. to 53. Xavier just balanced attack all the way through, Scott. Two Holloway, the other guys for Xavier, they just they just took it to the Bearcats. Yeah, that's basically what, what happened. Uh, Holloway and Mark Lyons really showed up uh, for the backcourt of Xavier and really just took it to them. Kilpatrick didn't show up, and Dixon really only got his points in the second half where, you know, they needed more than just uh, a couple of baskets to get him involved in the game. You know, the only uh, the only guy who really showed up and had a great game was the guy who was throwing the most punches at the end, and that was yeah, Yancey Gates. Um, Gates goes for 18 and 12, and... You know, he looked pretty good in the first half, and, you know, obviously his numbers support that, but uh, with that 9.4 seconds left on the clock, he was the one that was throwing punches. Yeah, throwing haymakers. And what, what's your take on the, I've read article after article about it, what, what's your take on this now that it's happened, the six-game suspension that's been doled out to him, and uh, how do you, Mo, Mo, Mabuji? Mabuji. Mabuje and there was uh, Octavius Ellis. They, they all those games got six. Uh, all those guys got six games. Yeah, I'm trying to f- wrap my head around how how they're really doing this these suspensions. But I think six games sounds about right. But the the only thing that I'm holding back reservation for is the fact that they're only getting suspended for one Big East game, and I, th- yeah. I probably think that it should have been more than just one uh, conference game. 
I I totally agree. It's it's easy when they're suspending them for Chicago State. I forget the teams are playing. They do play Oklahoma sometime in in December. That Oklahoma is a decent team. At least they're from a major conference. Sure. But yeah, suspend them for all of January. You know, miss miss half the Big East season and really really stick it to them. I mean, I don't know what if there's a science or it's very calculated as to okay, they if they take this action. You know, here here was the action. Okay, this results in this type of suspension. Yeah, I think they do it on based off precedence. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure they're going off of a model, but you know, if if a guy with fighting stuff, you know, if he did this type of action, or guys have done this in the past, it's anywhere between six and eight games. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, Yancey Gates got his money's worth. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like he, uh, Dude, it, you know, just got. A little slap on the wrist for slapping someone on the wrist. He split open Kenny Freeze's face. Kenny Fr- that guy was bleeding all over the over the court. Kenny Freeze is huge too. To take down that guy, he de- <laughs> he definitely got his money's worth. If you're looking it was, at it that way, I was actually it was crazy. I was actually listening to Andy Katz this morning, and he said to Holloway, I mean, he's a great player. He he's up for National Player of the Year debate, and because of his comments after the game. Talking, uh, it was kind of about gangs and thugs, and that's just who we are, where we come from. I, I don't know the exact uh, wording of what it was, but it was something. He, he he shouldn't have been saying that stuff. He got a one game suspension for what he said in the in the press conference. But Andy Katz said those comments alone and his behavior after the game will he will not win Player of the Year because because of that. And I I don't know if that. If I was a voter, I don't know if it would affect me, but that's that's what he uh, that was his sentiment and his, his feel for for that thing. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. The Player of the Year award is not only just how well you play, but it's also the what you carry around and how you brand yourself. So, to be honest, I'm not surprised that Cat said that, and I sort of agree with him mm-hmm. where he's at. Um, but you know. I want to shift this back to Cincinnati a little bit. And what I was interested in the fact was Mick Cronin, after the game, basically said that this six-game suspension is just the absolute minimum. Mm -hmm. If he feels that any of these guys don't show some sort of remorse for what happened, they're not going to be able to get back on the team. He's saying that... They have to earn their way back to get a uniform, and uh, that you know, that I, I sound, think he's taking. Yeah, that sounds great. You want him to say that, but this is so subjective. He, you know, they, they're going to go on camera. They're making a big deal about they have to go on camera and publicly apologize, which I absolutely one hundred percent agree with. But it's such a subjective thing. How does? It, how when when someone f's up, you know, when they screw up, they're obviously going to be apologetic and somewhat show remorse. But how do you really, you know, Scott? How do you really judge that? It's such a subjective, and you know, my personal take. Like, oh, Yancey Gates is showing remorse, but uh, Octav- Octavius Ellis, he's not showing the remorse that I need him to show, so he's not on the team. Yet. I mean, it's it's it, yeah, it's a, it's a character thing, and and he's a coach, and he has to make. With everything, with playing time and on the court decisions, he has to make. It comes down to him. He has to make the ultimate decision. Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know what else to say besides the fact that it is subjective. But I mean, the, this guy Mick Cronin spends twenty 
40, 60 hours a week with these guys. So if anyone's qualified yeah. to make that decision, it's someone that has become really part of their family and knows who these people are on an individual level. But, you know, I like just hearing that and, and sort of showing that he has or, you know, making sure that he has control over the program. Totally. And you, you said family. Ultimately, these guys are, you know, he's trying to shape them into you know, men and human beings and shape their character. Basketball is secondary right now. It's it's they're 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 getting a free education and a lot of these guys they're not gonna be playing you know, Yancey Gates was probably gonna play at the next level, but these other guys, I mean it's all about their you know, who they are, um, you know, the rest of their lives and, and this fight, hopefully all of them can move move on from it. Exactly. Well, I think we've talked enough about uh, I'd say Gates' so. haymaker. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move on to one of these other games that Pitt really just took care of business against Oklahoma State at the Garden, uh, winning 74-68. Yeah, you said at the Garden they won 74-68. I actually went to the game. This is Pitt's basically their home away from home. They haven't been playing there good in March. They've lost uh, in the, in the, their first game the last few Big East tournaments, but they beat uh, an Oklahoma State team that was part of the CarQuest Auto Parts Classic. It was the second game of the doubleheader. The first game we saw was Duke-Washington. Uh, that game was on CBS, and then the pick game was on ESPN2. But, Scott, it was awesome. We, a bunch of my buddies and I, we showed up to outside MSG at around 2.30, and all these Dukey fans were, were filing out. They didn't even show any respect for uh, you know a future ACC member. Do a little, do a little <laughs> scouting the Panthers. They they couldn't even give us five minutes of their time. Anyways, all these Dukies fans are heading out. We see you know face value tickets for thirty five bucks. Uh, scalper says, "Give me twenty. I said, "We'll give you ten. We go in. We're up in uh, four hundred section, but but before you know, we're sitting down in section one sixteen. For yeah, there was no one at there. There was nobody there. Our, our beers ended up costing more than our our the the price of admission." <laughs> yeah, that's sort of how it goes. Um, that's how it goes. You know, yeah. how was the whole uh, MSG renovation, though? It's good, dude. It's it, it's it's really nice. Um, they've got some new restaurants. They actually have decent food now. I, I think MSG's food, it's the worst concession and in, in stadium food you have ever seen. And <laughs> they actually have a sixteen handles in there now. Do you, are you aware? Okay. Do you know of the sixteen handles? I have no idea what that is. This is frozen yogurt that you, you trick yourself, you, you trick your mind that, oh, I'm eating like healthy frozen yogurt. But you throw on these toppings that are like Reese's Pieces, like brownie bites, Beautiful. New York cheesecake bites, like all these caramel and fudge sauces and hot sauces. And, you know, at the at, before it's all said and done, it's like eating, uh, you know, a milk, having a milkshake or something, something very good. So, anyways, a nice, a nice addition to MSG. But let's get on to the actual play on the court. Um, one of the big things I want to talk about, Scott, is Lamar Patterson had an had an awesome game. Almost had a, hey, that's what I want to talk about. There we go. Almost had a triple double. Uh, he was three assists short. He had twelve points, ten assists, or I'm sorry, um, three boards short. Twelve points, ten assists, and seven boards. And I told you at the beginning of the year, this guy has really good court vision and. For like a forward and wingman, he just he he really passes and, and dishes the ball very well. Yeah, and not even just to limit it to Patterson, who had an excellent game, and that's clear. But all of the wing guys for Pittsburgh had 
fantastic games, including J.J. Moore and Dante Taylor and Ken Burch. I mean, all of them really contributed at a high level in this game. Yeah, Ashton Gibbs had his 17 points, but they put up, yeah, I mean, putting up 74 points, it was contributions all around. Nasir Robinson continues to shoot well from the field. And did you see Ashton Gibbs actually saw, shot over 50% from the field for once, Scott? Yeah, he actually looked like a legitimate player of the year candidate for the first time this season, uh, I think. Uh, he, you know, early in the year, he was just throwing up bricks. And I think in this game, he really showed that he's offensively versatile and really can get the basket or ball in the basket. And yeah, know, he's not, hopefully he's, he can continue it. Yeah, he's not, he didn't have to work as hard for, for those points. And it's nice to exactly. see Dante Taylor. Put up eight points, seven boards, and four blocks, and uh, he was yeah. he was smiling and, and all giddy after some of his dunks, and that's that's what you like to see out of out of old man Dante. Definitely, definitely. All right, so Pittsburgh took care of business against a decent Okie State team, and another team that just blew out George Washington was Syracuse Orange. They uh, end up winning by thirty five. Yeah, it was a total beatdown, and it was Dion Waiter's birthday, and he play like a birthday boss in this one uh <laughs> this dude is turning into a one-to-one guy and what that is is for every minute on the court he's he's, he's averaging a point uh, a point a minute which is just silly he had 19 points in 21 minutes and he's just a scoring machine i mean he's a mic yeah. microwave scores in bunches and I'm excited, you know, this guy next year, um, or he had, uh, he had another ridiculous stat line too, rather, rather than just points. Yeah. He had six, six, steals. six steals and five rebounds, four assists. So this guy's contributing in so many different ways other than just putting the ball in the bucket. Yeah, you know, it just shows that their uh, guard play at Syracuse this season is going to be excellent. Um do you think he could be up for like a most improved player in the Big East Conference? Has to be. I don't. I don't know who who else would be. Olander's playing well, but I. Yeah. I don't. I think he's in a in a class of his own. If he keeps up these numbers, he's going to be looking at. He can even be first team Big East as a guy coming off the bench. Yeah, he's crushing, and uh, you like to see that, of course. Um, another. You're talking about Syracuse guards. There was another one out there that that played well, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're you're speaking of Syracuse guards. Another one coming off the bench that had a really good game was Michael Carter-Williams. And I think think he read my freshman guard post from last week, and he (laughs) he felt snubbed. I think I had him at seven or eight. And I think, as I said in the post, he has a talent. He's definitely in the top five of of freshman guard talent. But just because he hasn't seen the floor time that an Aaron Cosby and Japari Hines haven't seen because they don't have great senior leadership like a Scoop Jardine uh, in their way. But Michael Carter-Williams had eight assists in this game. And, you know, he's getting really good experience. He got to play half the game. And... You know, he's not scoring yet, but it's nice to see him have that court vision and rely upon all this talent around him, giving the ball to Chris Joseph and C.J. Fair and and finding those guys for the open look. Yeah, I really like Carter Williams because he is a pass-first point guard. And to be honest, I think that that's how teams work the best when they have a distributor at that position instead of a shoot-first type guy like Malik Waynes at Villanova. Um, 
I think he's going to develop into something really special as he as his career goes on at Syracuse, and uh, he's a guy to look out for for uh, several years to come. Yeah, I think he would be playing right away at, at other schools. Uh, maybe not UConn, but I think every other team in the Big East he'd be seeing significant time. Um, so another uh, after Syracuse, and Syracuse is probably going to get they're going to be the number one ranked team in the country once the the polls are released today because. Kentucky lost in that awesome game yeah. to uh, to Indiana, yeah. and then uh, Ohio State lost because they didn't have Selinger. They lost to Kansas. Yep. yep. So it's going to be nice to see a Big East team at the top of the top of the poll. So a uh, team that struggled this weekend, as we said, was was Temple took down Villanova, another one of the Big Five games, the 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 Philly rivalry games. And what what happened here? What was what plagued the Wildcats in this oh. loss to to Temple? I'll tell you what plagued him was uh, Ramon Moore from Temple, who just dropped in 32 points. He was basically unstoppable. He got to line 15 times, made 14 shots from there, and he sort of just controlled the game for Temple. And it was tied with eight minutes left in the game, and then Villanova just lets Temple go on a 10 nothing run to really just take the lead and, and keep it for the rest of the way. And it's it's backbreaking to watch your team be in the game the whole way and then they just sort of fold and I feel like that's happened a couple of times this year for Villanova where uh, you know they've lost I think four of five or three of four or something like that and it's it's starting to get really tough to think that they're going to turn this around. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when you let a guy like Ramon Moore get to line fifteen times. Yeah. Was 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 it is it dumb fouls from from Villanova sloppiness just just throwing their arms in there? Was he getting into the penetration, getting the lane and really drawing contact? Was it you know I think is, it's is all this... the above, my man. I think it's all the above and he's really just he was just forcing the defense to uh make plays and the defense didn't do that. And the other two things that I want to point out before we move on because you know, there's not much to talk about besides Nova disappointing uh, their fan base. Was Again. they only made three shots from the three point line? Where if you get out rebounded like they did, even though Temple was without their starting center, um, you need to make more than three free three three pointers to make that equalizing uh, you know statistic there. And the other thing, they had 17 turnovers and. Between that and Yoru not being a main focal point of their offense, which is, you know, astounding to me, it just, I don't see uh, many positives to take out of this game. Yeah, especially, we want to see all teams hit more than three three-pointers. Especially, you need to see it out of Villanova because their best players, Scott, are Wayans and Cheek. Yeah, and those guys live on the perimeter, and they li- they really predicate their games and rely upon that three point shot. And when they're not hitting, the team's going to be ineffective, and they're not the best rebounding team. So when those those misses come off the glass, they're not going to have a lot of offensive putbacks. So, yeah, you need to see better outside shooting from these these guys. Exactly. And uh, a team that actually made some outside shots, or actually didn't make any outside shots, was <laughs> Georgetown Hoyas taking down Howard Bison. Um, 
like I just alluded to, Georgetown went one for thirteen from the from the three point line, but still came away with a fourteen point win over a terrible Howard team. Um, the game was actually forty two to forty with uh, eight minutes left in the half or in the second half. Yeah, kind of a sloppy game. You would have liked to see. Georgetown put up more than 62 on on Howard, and it was really poor shooting. Especially they got you know the uh, the leaders for this club, Tom, Hollis Thompson and and Jason Clark, shot pretty poor from the field. Thompson ended up with 12 points, but he had to he had to make eight free throws to get to that. Wasn't hitting many buckets from the field. Clark as well. I mean he was. I mean they. Yeah, these guys got all their their points from the line. I mean they weren't hitting anything from. Uh, you know, from the field. Yeah, it was ugly, but, you know, they held Howard to only 48 points, so there's something to be said about that. And uh, to your point, JT3 was pretty upset after the game, saying that they missed 10 to 15 uncon- or contested layups that, you know, they should make, and that's sort of what he was harping on uh, in the postgame uh, interviews there. Yeah, I, it's not like Howard was playing... Uh, very hawkish defense, and they just couldn't get open looks. I, I, you know, yeah. I think Georgetown was finding some space and some open looks. They just weren't knocking them down. Uh, a team that was pretty efficient with their shooting, for once, they, they've been struggling with it, is West Virginia. They beat uh, an ACC team, the Miami Hurricanes, 77-66 to at the Coliseum. Really good win for these guys after having very little downtime to recover from that that awesome victory on Thursday night against uh, the Kansas State Wildcat Club in a, in, a, in a nice win. But I think another person that's been listening to the program, Scott, is uh, our boy Truck Bryant. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty clear that he has been because since we started trashing him after that really disappointing game where he turned the ball over like eight times, he's just been crushing and. He did it again last night. He had career high twenty seven points. What a week for Truck. He you know, twenty four points against probably one of his best weeks as a as a Mountaineer. Twenty four against Kansas State. He had a career high, as Scott said, twenty seven in this win. He shot great from the field, very efficient, nine for twelve from the field and in five of seven from three. And the reason he had a lot of those good open looks and, and knocking him down knocking the trays down was Kalichka. He was drawing attention on the low block. He had 18 points of his own, but Kalichka also had five assists. And so he was drawing attention down low. He was bringing the defense down, and that opened up Truck Bryant for for those open threes, which that's, I mean, you love when you can get that, you know, high low, the feeding into the post and then kicking out. I mean, that's just when the offense is really clicking. Yeah, and I want to talk about Kalichka a little bit just because. He's been playing so well besides, you know, those those ridiculous traveling turnovers that he had against Kansas State, but <laughs> he's shooting the ball really well. He's getting 18 points or 12 points and contributing offensively, getting a lot of rebounds and being involved in the game. And I'm just very impressed because I, I was sort of looking for this team to be led by Chuck Bryan and, and Kevin Jones, and hoping to get something else out of anyone else on the roster, and they found that in Kalichka. Yeah, the truck and the Turk, 2012. That's who I'm voting for. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Move it on, but real quick before we go, Kevin Jones did not reach a double-double, so tough to... uh... 
tough to compete in that bet when when Jones has fallen one rebound short of another double double. Absolutely. He played all forty minutes still. He would have thought he could get to ten rebounds in, in forty uh, minutes of play. Not this time. Well, let's move on to another good Big East club out there, Scott. Yeah, Louisville just beat the hell out of Fairleigh Dickinson, eighty to fifty-eight. Um, not really too much time needs to be spent on this game, but uh, Patino said in the press conference that he was trying to get in uh, Kyle Kirk to be a little bit more aggressive offensively before the game. And Kirk responded by dropping in 18 points and found his shot early and often. Yeah, he he actually listened to his coach when when he's asking to shoot more. As our boy Dane Miller was was demanded by Mike Rice to take more shots, didn't do it. Kyle Kirk took 14 shots in this game, he scored 18 points. But hey, when you're when your coach, I mean that's that'd be a great problem to have when your coach, one of the best coaches of all time in college basketball, says. You need to shoot the basketball more. You know what? I, I, I think I would listen to him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, I will shoot more, coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rick Patino is demanding you to shoot the basketball more. I, 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 <laughs> I like, I, I'd like to be in that situation. Exactly. Um, and, and then our, yeah, another guard, C- Siva. Uh, it seems like he's recovering from that ankle injur- injury pretty well, Scott. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's getting back to that point where, you know, I, th- I think that he's going to be a real, real good player. He could be in contention for Big East Player of the Year if he continues what he's done in the past couple of games. So let's keep watching him and see how he does when we uh, get into league play and better competition. But from what I see, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Wow, you think he could be in consideration for Player of the Year? In the Big East, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, in the Big East, that's still if, – if you're, if you're up there, you're – that's a pretty damn good year. Hey, you keep putting up 16 and 9, and then we can talk about it when we get into March. Well, he's going to have to compete with someone special out there. And I, uh, the Pope, yep. the Popeinator. Yeah, Mr. Herbie Pope goes nuts he, again. He keeps and, on keeping on in a win over Scott Watermoose, alma mater. Yeah, Wake Forest uh, went into South Orange out in Jersey and really laid an egg. There's not much else to say about uh, how Wake yeah, you, played. You prepped us for this. Wake is not a very good team. Seton Hall still has to take care of business. They won 68 to 54. Game wasn't wasn't all that close. But as we said, Pope had another dominant game. Uh, 26 points, 14 rebounds, super efficient from the field. Eight of nine, you know, on his on his field goals. And the guy just gets it done. And do you think he is that freaking good? Or he's just playing lesser opponents and, and guys, you know, does can he compete with the Sullingers, the Drummonds, Anthony Davis, and even like the Thomas Robertson? I mean, is he in that class of players? Uh, he's nowhere near that class of players. You don't um, think so? I, I don't think he has the athleticism to match those guys. I, I th- still think he's like a wide-bodied guy that knows how to rebound and he has a nose for it. But, I mean, Wake's biggest problem is that we don't have a true center. We got a mm-hmm. seven-footer that likes to shoot threes. So... I think he probably just took advantage of uh, mostly matchups in this uh, particular contest. And the other thing is Wake runs a lot of four-guard sets, yep. with uh, Makai being our four, but he's only 6'5 or so. 
Um, so I, I think that Pope just took advantage of his size in this in this situation. Good for him. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, Fu- one thing that scares me, Fuquan Edwin had another nice stat line. Yeah. What scares you though? Thing that scares me is Seton Hall's bench play. It really does because they're not getting any production out of Aaron Jaramapur or Freddie Wilson. Yep. Here and there, Harold's Carlos, who is another freshman, he'll 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 have a good game here and there. Didn't didn't do anything at all in this game. Played half the game. Didn't score a single point. It really concerns me when we get into January and February playing an 18 game Biggie schedule. Games are going to be more frequent. You're not going to get much rest. I think it's going to affect Herb Pope and Jordan Theodore and some of these other guys. I mean, you see Theodore's playing 38 minutes. Herb Pope, he's had condition issues in the past. And it's, I mean, they have very little depth um, in the post. And it also means he can't get in any foul trouble. This this team is screwed if he ever gets in, in foul trouble. So, you know, like when we said when they go up against UConn with all that um, post depth, it, it 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 scares me. I'm scared. <laughs> it sounds like you're scared, and I think that I think you're right. Uh, I think it's a tough thing to go into league play with really only four guys that you know that you can depend on day in and day out. I mean. If you even lump Cosby in there, yeah, he's pretty inconsistent, and they need to get something out of those uh, bench players, or else it's going to be uh, really difficult for them once it gets into that midseason grind. Um, a team that really doesn't have that problem at all is uh, our Marquette Golden Eagles, and they really took care of business yep. against the Green Bay Phoenix, uh, 79-61. Game wasn't really that close. Um you know, you like you like to see uh, them getting this W, especially with having a couple players out. Uh, their starting center, Chris mm-hmm. O'Toole, has an ACL injury but might come back. I don't know. They were sort of sketchy on details. So good to see him win. Yeah, and, and yeah, with O'Toole out and a couple other guys, with Jamea, uh, Juan Anderson and Jameel Wilson were, were also not playing. Jay Crowder's stock is rising, Scott. You know, after that, after that game against Washington, ESPNs and Fox Sports and everyone was was uh, you know hyping up his his stock is rising and he might even be uh, rising the polls faster than Newt Gingrich. I mean, I'd like to see the the two of them uh, side by I side. I don't want to see Newt Gingrich in a Marquette jersey. <laughs> How about Newt Gingrich and Jay Crowder in a debate? You know, it's Jay Crowder has to keep hitting down big buckets and Newt has to uh, keep pounding his. <laughs> Kind of his chest and coming out with uh, defend, you know, defending himself for more and more stuff. Yikes! Um, uh, yeah, I don't want to see that either. Um. <laughs> anything? A- anything else from this game? Um, you know, what, thing about Atule, what? What? You know, how does this set them up for for the rest of the season? Is this he had an ACL injury? How long is he going to be out? You know, how yeah, does this affect no the rotation? And how does Buzz? buzz um work around this well the the one player that will need to have to step up is crowder but the other guy is this uh Devante gardner and he's had two really nice games since uh otule went out with the injury and you like to see his development and and hopefully he can continue to be that guy who's he plays a little bit below the rim but he's a big hard-nosed rebounder he reminded me a little bit of um 
the guy from Moorhead State from last year, Kenneth Fareed, where Kenneth he was Fareed, just sort yeah. of all over the place and always right. found found the rebounds when uh, when they were available to him. Yeah, so I think Devontae Gardner really needs to be that guy who they depend on for rebounding um, that they're going to miss with Otule. So uh, hopefully Marquette continues uh, to do what they're doing and you know, I think they're going to be one of the best yeah. teams in, in college basketball this season. Yeah, they continue their ascension, and they're probably going to be in the top ten of the polls, yep. which is great to see. These last few games, it was a lot of these Big East teams playing scrubs. Notre Dame, one of these games, they beat the Dartmouth, Dartmouth Big Green 65-47. to 47. Eleven blocks for the Irish. You know, do we have an Anthony Davis or a Fab Mello emerging in South Bend? Actually, uh, I, I don't think so. I think Dartmouth is is your uh, typical Ivy League team. Small, weak, non-athletic, and just basically inept in the post. That's that's what I take from it, Scott. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just it's men versus children whenever a lot of the Ivy Leagues, besides Harvard, are playing. Uh, I don't know. There's just not a lot of size, and that leads to easy blocks and that's where where you get that big number. Yeah, and some real quick notes. Jack Cooley had a great game, 22 points in 25 minutes. Dion Waiters-esque with the one-to-one. <laughs> he contributed yep. with four blocks. But what was really puzzling from this game, I just couldn't understand it, was Eric Atkins and Jerry and Grant were combined 0 for 16 from the field, Scott. Not a single point from these guys. After I was just raving and hyping up Eric Atkins, after his game against Maine, yeah, this guy just drops a, a big fat goose egg. Nowhere to be found against. I mean, Dartmouth guards uh, are, are nothing. Yeah, it seems like this team is really inconsistent because Grant and Adkins will look really nice one day and then just won't show up in the next, and that's what happened here. The other guy that sort of does that a lot is this guy Dragovich, where he'll make a couple of shots and then the next game he'll just be absent and. They're going to need some sort of consistency, especially with Scott Martin out with a concussion. Yeah, Scott Martin out, and that's, you know, in Gonzaga, the Gonzaga blowout and the Mizzou blowout, when those guys don't show up, that's what's going to happen against good teams. You can let it happen against Dartmouth because you've got other guys that are going to help out. But, you know, speaking of good opponents, the Irish play a feisty Indiana team coming off a huge win over Kentucky. The next That's going to be on Saturday at the Conseco Fieldhouse. That's going to be interesting to see how, you know, Indiana's beat some some pretty good teams, and especially after that Kentucky win. It's nice, really nice to see um, the Indiana program. I think it's good for, just like the Knicks being good is good for the NBA, Scott. Yep. Indiana being good is good for college basketball. Certainly, and hopefully, uh, you know, Notre Dame takes, <laughs> takes them out and, and beats that team next Saturday. That screams letdown game for me. Yep. Um, and actually, that sort of gives me a decent transition here because Providence almost had a huge letdown game against Bryant uh, over the weekend. Yeah, they were what they were, they weren't leading until four or five minutes left in the game, and that's I kind of see that as unacceptable. I mean, Bryant is they've only won one game this year, and Providence has been playing pretty well, and for them to not be able to put away uh, a Bryant Bulldogs team until about the thirty-five or thirty-six minute mark is is. Uh, I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's much to get, and especially because Bryce Cotton went absolutely bananas. He goes. 
for 34 points on 11 of 16 shooting. He made all 10 of his free throws. When you get that kind of individual contribution, you'd think that you could beat uh, Bryant before that last four-minute mark and and by more than 11 points. Yeah, and another Bryce Cotton had a huge game, but also LaDonte Henton. And now that this week I'm going to be doing the top 10 freshman forwards and bigs, this guy is impressing me more and more, and he's going to be, after this game as well, he's going to be pretty high on the list after he had a... what he ended up having. He had 13 points, 12 boards, and 6 blocks. I mean, he's just putting up silly numbers. Yeah, you love it. You love seeing that. I love the defense that he's providing. And, you know, we, we've talked about this a little bit about Providence, is that they need one of these forwards to really be a defensive contributor, uh, be it Bilal Dixon or Bryce or, or Kofain or uh, Henton. And, you know, Henton, Putting in six blocks, you you love it. You love it. And one of the last games of the weekend in a team that you would have thought would would put away another ball club was DePaul. Scored 102 points. Good for them. Yeah. But wait. But wait. They let Chicago State, who hasn't won a game this year, Scott, score 95 points. That's just pathetic. You know me. I'm a defensive-minded guy. 95 points to Chicago State? Come on. I don't get it. So does that mean Connecticut's going to drop 170 on them? I mean, I just yes. Uh, what's going to happen? Ryan Bellwright's going to score 50. Yeah, exactly. It's like they were out rebounded by Chicago State and allowed them to grab 17 offensive rebounds. You're talking about unacceptable statistic lines. That's pretty high up there. Yeah, and and one one positive note from this game, Cleveland Melvin finally shot well after you you've talked about his shooting. Struggles. He was 12 of 22 for the field for 30 points. Nice to see him get, you know, get clicking again and, and back and finding his groove. Yeah, him, uh, Brandon Young, and uh, Kelly all combined for 70 of their 102 points. Uh, you know, it's been well documented that those three guys can score the basketball, but where is the other scoring going to come? And, you know, Crockett, who moved into the uh, starting lineup in the last game, was there again and had 11 points, but Chris Faber only had six, and uh, he's got to get more involved offensively. Yeah, he does, and, and uh, rounding out the the last game of the weekend was South Florida played yesterday. They beat the Florida A&M Rattlers. I think South Florida has played every regional, state, local, community college, Florida school that you could imagine. The Florida A&M Rattlers being one of them. They won 83-59. to Absolutely nothing to speak of of this game except for Torland Fitzpatrick scored his career high of 25 points, and, and they got the victory. Yeah, I'm bored as hell already reading the score off that. So let's move on there to our is. players of the weekend. Players of the weekend, you already talked about them. Who is it for you? It's Bryce Cotton, man. Dropping in Gotta 34, be. it's a hell of an individual effort that he put forth, and he shot the basketball real well, and he finally listened to Ed Cooley, who was begging him to take shots, similar to uh, Kyle Kirk taking shots. And, you know, he shot a great percentage, and he basically willed them to a victory over Bryant University. Yeah, it's always nice when your coach insists upon you shooting. Exactly. I, I like that a lot. My guy is Truck Bryant. Career-high 27 points, as we spoke of earlier. He was efficient on the shooting. He was efficient with the basketball. I believe he only had one or two turnovers. 
He keyed this 31 or 33 to 5 run that West Virginia had in the second half, which is crazy. I mean, to do that on, um, you know, against a Miami club, which is pretty good. Very impressive. Loved seeing that high low with, with him and Kalichka. And I'm excited if, if that can continue throughout the year. I think West Virginia can be, uh, you know, a pretty good team throughout the season. Yeah, and I got to give a shout out because his shoes are awesome too. If you oh, yeah. haven't seen them, they're, just, they're like highlighter yellow and they're outrageous. But Truck had a great game and he continues to play play real well. And uh, West Virginia could be on the map in, in terms of being in the top 25 nationally. Yeah, he played great. And Jabari Hans had a horrific week. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he had like five points total. So uh, Truck Bryan had to, if they were going to win, had to had to play well. We have a light week this week, right, Scott? With, yeah, with we do. Uh, the, the kids have finals. The holiday uh, break is coming, so they're they're cranking away at the books. But we do have a, only one game tonight. Ma, a very bad Monmouth club, a two and eight Monmouth ball club going to Rutgers. I mean, we don't even know if Rutgers can win this year, given <laughs> how bad Monmouth is. Tomorrow night we got Boston U playing at Villanova. I'll be at Boston that U. game. You going? Yeah, I'm going with my buddy Jason, and uh, love it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out the checking out the digs and watching Villanova. Hopefully, take care of business and and beat the hopefully. Boston Terriers. Right, that's their nickname. Well, yeah, we don't know with Villanova as well. They should win, but who the hell knows? Yeah, exactly. And uh, just and who the hell knows? Another thing that we don't know about. <laughs> A lot of uncertainty is your betting yeah. record. Yeah, I was. I went four and one uh, before this weekend, and I was feeling real good about it too. And um, I took Xavier in the fir- in the one o'clock game, and that hit really easily. And then I'm I'm looking at it, I'm like five and one, and I'm feeling great. And then Wake didn't cover the twelve and a half points against Seton Hall. That just seemed like a lot, and I thought. Uh, West Virginia was going to have a little bit of a letdown in terms of their energy level, and they didn't. So, you know, I took two on the chin right there. You you were anti-Big East on all your picks this weekend. You go with Xavier, an Atlantic 10 team, and then you tried to play your ACC roots and pick Miami and Wake Forest. I almost but, took Oklahoma State, too. <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to win your bets, you go with Big East teams. That's how it goes here on the Six Overtimes podcast. I think that's what I'm learning. Uh, slowly. Slowly, slowly. Well, let's uh, enough with our talking. Let's let's wrap up today the the Monday edition of the show. Yeah, man. Uh, well, of course. Thanks again for uh, stopping by and, and hanging out with the Six Overtimes crew. Uh, for Chaz Wagner, I am Scott Wildermuth. Thanks again, and we'll uh, we'll catch you Wednesday. See, and we got some good stuff on Wednesday. A new uh, new feature, a new part of the program. I think I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. All right, all right, guys. Peace. peace.